Hello and welcome to In Stitches, the upholstery podcast for upholsterers telling your story and inspiring others. My guest today is Sharon Ainsworth. Thank you so much for joining me, Sharon. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Hi, thank you for having me, Robbie. Okay, so usual question. I'll kick off with, did you know what you wanted to do when you left school? And were you keen to sort of work with your hands? Or did you have another plan? Well, when I was at school, my main favourite subjects were design and art and crafts. So I was doing batik and photography, but my main thing was woodwork. And at the weekends, I used to make things with my granddad or my dad in their workshops. So I always had this passion for furniture. So my very favourite subject was craft design and technology, where I made some quite cool pieces for my GCSEs. So after that, I wanted to follow in that. And the only course we could find back then was a course near Oxfordshire. I lived, grew up in Cambridge and mm. I went to, a, so then when I was 16, I went to a college in Oxfordshire called Rycotewood, mm. which specialised in furniture design and crafts and engineering. So there I did a two-year BTEC course and, but then when I, so I did that, but then I didn't kind of have a pathway into a career in that. So I, I went back home to Cambridge and I got into just retail and I spent years working in retail but always making things alongside but not as a career yeah okay so when you say you're in retail what were you doing there fashion retail I worked worked for Benetton and then I I moved well after one year back in Cambridge with my family I moved to Manchester to do a fashion design course which was again making so it was designing and making which is how I got to Manchester but then I ended up again working in retail and working at Kendall's for a number of years and still just doing kind of making things as a hobby from all sorts of things, from cookery to pieces of furniture in my house. But when, I, when I'd been at college in Oxford, I'd had a chair that I'd made in the summer show. So just going back to that, I was 17 and a little bucket chair that I'd made, designed, made and upholstered myself then was in the show. and the college tutors had decided to put a price tag of it on it of £275, which back in 1994 to a 17-year-old was masses of money. <laughs> so somebody back then came to the show and wanted to buy my chair, which I was like, oh my goodness, somebody wants my chair and they want to pay that much money. So that was very exciting. I ended up making three of them and one of them I still have, the original one I still have. And that's kind of where my upholstery journey that I'm in now started. So a few, a few years ago, I was looking at the chair thinking that needs recovering. And then I saw on Facebook a couple of friends I knew, more Facebook friends than good friends. You know, you know them a little bit, had been on these upholstery courses at a place called Ministry of Upholstery. And they'd made the most beautiful chairs. So I asked one of them to quote me for recovering this chair. Mm. And I was quite shocked at the price that they quoted. So I thought, I'm not paying that. I'll go on the course myself. (laughs) So that's kind of where I got into upholstery in the last 12 months. So your passion has always been sort of hands-on, working with your hands and, and, and stuff. I'm really interested to go back to the time when you were working with your father and your grandfather, working sort of there I mean that must have been you know because I I identify that myself with my grandfather because I spent a lot of time watching my grandfather work in his workshop 
So I'm just really interested in that, that side of things and how they inspired you. Well, my dad and my granddad had a building company together, but they also made furniture themselves for their own homes. So I, I was able to have hands-on experience using the tools and I was allowed to use the lathe and turn pieces of wood. And I made a rocking chair when I was 15 and 16 with them at weekends. So Saturday mornings, I'd go to my granddad's workshop generally and I'd either be making something out of wood with him or I'd spend the morning with my granny making other things like needlecraft and things. So we were all a very hands-on family. Yeah, yeah. It's a story I'm sort of vaguely familiar with, really, in a slightly different yeah. way. My, my, my father was very much into sort of playing around with motor cars and things, which never inspired me, but he, he was very much hands-on as well. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you've talked about what you, your career and what sparked the change. So the actual basics of the upholstery, what, what really drew you to upholstery? What, what was the, the draw? Well... My husband and I and our two boys, we were planning on knocking our house down and rebuilding. And I wanted to recover some of our furniture. So I thought, well, I need to get back into it and learn the skills properly and not just kind of bodge things and make it up as I go along. So that's the main drive. So a year ago, March, we knocked our house down that we'd lived in for 18 years and ready to rebuild. So I've got a number of pieces of furniture from our house that I want to re-upholster in beautiful fabrics that you wouldn't really be able to just go and buy so that was kind of the push for me to do it now yeah okay and like I'm going to go off piece here because a lot of the questions I've got here I don't really think apply to you but I'd I'd love to know a little bit about the Ministry of Upholstery could you tell us a little bit about how you discovered them I know you've spoken a little bit about about how they work and how their system is because From a listener's point of view, a lot of the interviews that I've done recently have been the Association of Master Upholsterers courses and so on. And this is separate to that. So therefore, I think it has real value and interest for people to hear their perspective and how you have found working with them. Yeah. So I was very pleased to see that there was an upholstery school right near where I live. So I live just outside Manchester and this is central Manchester. It's called the Ministry of Upholstery. It's a family-run business, Anthony and Susie Devine. Anthony was an upholsterer from school, from leaving school. And I believe a number of years ago, he started doing an evening school and then was approached, could he teach Susie to re-upholster a wingback chair in the day, not the evening? So then he thought, oh, there's a market for this. People want to learn the skills. So together they set up the business. And it's absolutely fabulous. I love going there. It's like being in the workshop is, for me, my comfort zone. I love it. So I first enrolled on a weekend course to make a deep button footstool, which was a Saturday and a Sunday. And the frames provided, all the foams provided. You just choose your own fabric and go along for this lovely weekend course. I think things have changed a bit during COVID because the numbers are reduced. Yeah. So yeah. All, my whole time there has all been through COVID. So unfortunately, it's the wearing of the masks and all that dull mm. stuff. It was so lovely to be in a, a group of like-minded people who perhaps similar to me, a bit middle-aged, have got the children, the children yeah. are a bit older and they've got a bit of time for themselves. But people travel from, this would really surprise me, the people that on the courses, they travel from all over the UK, yeah. from as far as Cambridgeshire and Scotland all over to come and do courses it's quite surprising 
So I started by just doing this weekend deep bottom footstool course. And then everyone who saw it wanted me to make them a, a footstool, which was lovely. So yeah. then I'm like, I, I need to do more. I need to go back there. A weekend isn't enough. So then I enrolled on a, another one of the courses. The majority of people that go, I would say, are on the business course, which is looking to learn more skills than perhaps I did to run a business, whereas mine was mainly for doing things for myself and friends and family. So I, I did the access course, which I believe has changed its name now, and it might be called the business foundation course, where they teach you to make smaller items that you can basically make from home, like headboards and a contemporary stall, a footstool, two different headboard styles. And then we finish on a cocktail chair where you learn how to use springs and traditional upholstery. Mm. So you, you learn masses of skills. The great thing about the courses are they're completely flexible. You can work however many days a week you like and you can spread it out. So my course was a 15-day course, so I generally did two days a week. So for people that are working full-time or working part-time, you can generally work it around that. So it's just a lovely, lovely environment to be in with people teaching you upholstery and sewing and meeting other people and mixing with people that do like have the same interests as you and come from very different backgrounds and yeah yeah, yeah it's a great place that's, that's lovely and so I, I mean one of the questions i was going to ask you but you've already asked it is it do they do modern and traditional and, and they clearly do both they do both i would say i think they, they teach more modern than traditional yeah. but they do do both which is, which is power to their elbow, really, to because I, I think there's an awful lot of courses out there that are teaching traditional upholstery, but there are not so many teaching the modern skills, which are equally as valuable. So it's, yeah. it's really nice that that's going on. Yeah, I think for, for someone like me, the modern is the way to go forward because the pieces of furniture that I'm kind of changing are modern. They're not yeah, old, yeah. traditional, although I have had an old chaise to do for somebody which was all the springs and all the old-fashioned way which was quite new to me but you know you can learn everything there and you can go in with your own piece you don't need to do one of their full courses you can take your own piece and, and just have help there to reupholster something that you want to do so yeah I really recommend it brilliant brilliant so what has surprised you about upholstery what are what are the things that going into it have surprised you that you weren't expecting I was told when I started the, the longer course, all your friends will suddenly say, oh, I've got a chair that wants reupholstering. And that's so true. Everybody has something they want reupholstering, but I don't like to overcharge. And to make money in upholstery, you have to charge a lot of money, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest thing for me, what people are willing to pay when they could go and buy a new piece of furniture cheaper. So that's probably the biggest surprise. Because you've got the cost, your, your labour time and the time it takes to strip something. You've got to, there's so much to take into account with every piece that you price. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the point of that is that if, if you're looking to buy new against doing that, then that's not really your, you're never going to win that argument. Because no. People, I want to buy new, we'll go and buy new because it's a price thing. So yeah. yeah. But I've had a friend of a friend come to me a few weeks ago and ask me to cover a chair for her. And I, I just said, well, you know, you could buy one just like you'd like for less than I will charge. She said, no, but I want this chair. I really like it. So yeah. I was like, right, OK, I'll do that. And we, we made a couple of different options of seat cushion covers so she could switch it about as well, which was quite nice, quite personal. So, so from the courses that you've done, are you, are you turning this into a career? Is it something you just want as a hobby? 
kind of an in-between the two. Yeah. So a little bit of money for me, but not a big full-on career. Because yeah. I'm, I still need to be mum of two and all the other bits that come with that. So it's not going to be full time for me. Yeah. But I have already made a few pieces, made a few commissions in the last few months, which have given me a bit of spending money for myself, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but but I know many people have, you know, are doing it very seriously. And there's a lot, a lot of business out there. A lot of people want pieces reupholstered, and there's plenty of work for plenty of people. <laughs> Yeah. So tell me, going back to the Ministry of Upholstery, do, do they give you business advice as well or is it just an upholstery course? They do. I didn't do the business course, though. No. I didn't do that one. But I know the, the longer course, I think they're 30 and 40 days. They have classroom sessions and they also have sessions teaching about business and running a business and pricing, which wasn't the course that I chose. Yeah, no, So no, I, I, I know other, other people could go and learn a lot more yeah. about running an upholstery business. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. That's that's kind of why I was asked the question because it's uh, it's one of the elements in within upholstery that I think is sometimes missing within training. Right. So I mean, I don't know anything about any other upholstery schools or training or yeah. what other people are taught. Or this is just yeah. my experiences. Sort of going forward with that. Uh, so sort of like a question that I always ask on the. I've, I've asked the question, so what advice would you, you, you give to someone coming into the trade? But obviously, from your perspective, it's slightly different. But I just wondered, sort of, what advice would you give and what advice would you wish to ask and, and seek help with when you get stuck with something? I don't that, know, really. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I've been doing it 40-something years. Yeah. And I, sometimes I get stuck with something and I need to ask someone else their opinion, an opinion of, of how you would go yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. 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 So presumably you just go back to the, the Ministry of Upholstery, do you? Yeah, I, I kind of just, when we went through the second lockdown, my husband was turning 50 and I'd bought a, a wingback chair for him that I wanted to recover as a present for him because he didn't yeah. need anything. But I had nobody to really ask. So I just had to kind of unpick it carefully and do a lot of guesswork yeah and yeah. it came out okay but I think in hindsight if I had gone if it had been running and open I would have definitely gone into the Ministry of Upholstery with the chair and said okay what do I do here how do I do this how does that bit go there before this and which order because when you're just doing it without the help it's difficult to know which piece goes where first yeah. I have made that mistake before and I the last chair I just made, the whole cover had to be sewn. And so I'd sewn the whole cover, I'd put it on, and then I'd realised, oh, I wondered what those two rectangles were for. They were fly that I had to pull through. <laughs> okay. So then I ended up thinking, right, I've got two options here. I've either got to unpick all the staples because I'd already stapled the cover on, or I've got to just unpick a little bit and hand sew the fly on. So that's what I ended up doing. But then you kick yourself and you think, I should have just taken the whole thing apart and started again. Yeah. So every, every piece for me at the moment is still a learning curve because everything I'm coming across is quite different to the last piece. So a standard rectangle footstool is a nice, easy project if anybody wants one. <laughs> <laughs> And, and how have you found sort of like the, the buttoning and the deep buttoning on, on that? I loved the deep buttoning. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. That I think if I hadn't have done the weekend course for the deep buttoning, I probably would still struggle with it a bit. But because I did a full weekend on that one topic, 
I feel very confident in that. I think I've made six of them in the last six months. Okay, okay. And that breeds confidence in itself, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Action the repetitiveness yeah. of doing, yeah. making the pleats and making them all neat. And, and each time there, you do learn, I think, each time still. Or if I don't pull the buttons tightly quite yet, I can get my pleats neater. And little yeah. things like that that you kind of teach yourself along the way. And so do you have a little workroom at home or, or a big workroom at home? That... Yeah, I've got a spare bedroom at the moment, but I tend to end up taking over the whole house if I'm doing something. <laughs> it, it runs into the dining room. Or I've got more room in the dining room. So then yeah. the house for a week, if I'm doing an item, the house for a week is upside down. So no one gets fed or anything. Everything goes out the window because it's all about doing that upholstery. So who inspires you? I don't really think anybody particularly individually inspires me. I mean, within sort of within upholstery, sort of because presumably the guys at the Ministry of Upholstery have been pretty inspiring, and the person that put you onto the Ministry of Upholstery have. Yeah, I suppose seeing other people's work and the fabrics that they use, and different designers, and coming across local designers, I've got you know I really love prints, yeah. and there are some beautiful prints being designed at the moment by lots of different fabric houses there's a designer locally well she's in Lancashire uh, called Becca Who and she does some really beautiful I don't know if you've come across any of her designs uh, until she I just... re- read your email no not really <laughs> yeah yeah so so I'm re- I've just literally had an order delivered today and it's so exciting when you unroll the fabric yeah. and see the print and know that you're going to be making something beautiful from that how are your machining skills? How, how have, you, have you, you found that? My actual, my sewing? Yeah. So I'm okay on a sewing machine because I've, I've had a sewing machine for 25 years from yeah. doing the fashion course and everything. So I've always sewn, but I could really do with a industrial machine for yeah. getting through four layers of velvet. Yeah. But because I'm not using it, when I can, that's sometimes I, well, that's another thing. You can pay just a workshop day to go to the Ministry of Upholstery and use all their equipment. So that's what I did on that last chair. I I had three days there, two or three days there where I went in to use the sewing machines. Because I'm not as familiar on them as I am my own, I then kind of come across other problems or they're a bit too fast for me. But I do love just getting behind my sewing machine and stitching away. I find it very therapeutic. It it is. But it is a skill that is actually a a learned skill that a lot of students struggle with to begin with so it's it's, it's always interesting and like if you've been doing it for 25 years it must be second nature to you anyway on my domestic it is and I have managed to make box cushions and those tight corners with piping if I'm patient with my machine it's fine (laughs) so what what is your ultimate goal for upholstery is it just to keep as you are or would you like to go somewhere else with it I mean, you're obviously quite um, passionate about fabrics. Is that something you'd like to get into? I think really for me, six years ago, I had a brain tumour. Yeah. And it was kind of a little bit life-changing for me. Yeah. So I kind of see things like take your time, because I'm, I'm one to kind of jump in both feet and put all my effort into things. But now I'm just trying to take a little bit of a, a slower step back and do things at my own speed. So... This is kind of, now my boys are older, they're 16 and 11. I feel that it's time for me to do something that I love yeah. without the pressures. I think if I, if I ran it as a business, I wouldn't be able to manage the pressure from that. Yeah. So for me personally, it's a hobby where I can pick and choose if people want me to make things. 
but with building the house as well, I've got a number of pieces to reupholster, and then that comes with the whole themes of the room. So that that's my project for the next yeah. six months is doing the things for us yeah. along the way, making doing the odd project for other people. But I know that for myself, I won't be able to take on a big workload because I just I couldn't handle the pressure from that. Yeah, no, and, and I guess it's given you a completely different perspective on things that are important in life. Yes, yeah. yeah. You wish it on anyone, but I guess it gives you a, a very a clarity. And what part of the skill would you most like to master? I am a bit of a perfectionist, which is to my detriment, because I want everything to be spot on. And then I see furniture that's made and mass produced and think, oh, my cleats are neater than that. My corners are neater than that. But I know that sometimes I'll finish a piece and then I'll stand back and think, oh, no, I didn't do that bit quite as neatly. Now I'm looking at it from that angle, like the cocktail chair I made. I absolutely loved it. But now where I've got it positioned in the house, I see it from a position, an angle that I didn't see it in the workshop. And every day I kicked myself for not really checking it through before I put the backing fabric on it. I think that's I I mean, even. Myself, you know, you, you do think I did a chair a few weeks ago. I kicked, it had a, a line to it and I kicked the line out on the outside back and I didn't see it until I put the outside back on, until I put the bottom on and turned yeah. it up the right way. And it was like, it, it really annoyed me, but I, I had no more fabric to do it again. But, so you left it, yeah. Uh, but it was I only you that it would annoy. Uh, Nobody else yeah. would notice, would they? Well, no, but it really messed with my head having that. Yeah. that but only, it was only very slight, but it was still very annoying. So do you, what, how do you work? Are you a small business that you just, you do work, individual work that people bring to you or what do you yes, do? Yeah, I, I mean, it's lovely to have the table stand. Yeah. I mean, I know I run a business. I've been running my business for mm. 17 years and there are six of us now. And so, you know, we, we get private work in and, and designer work in and stuff like that. And we, we just work for people like that sort of doing anything from traditional modern to fabric walling and curtains and so on so that's that's what we do yeah, yeah. what's fabric walling is that for kind of cinema rooms and things or uh, no no it's uh fabric walling is basically upholstered walls so you, you put battening on the wall and then you you basically start uh whack on a whack on so I'm very so like a massive headboard that would cover the whole wall. Is it that kind of principle? Yeah, it's every you actually you you attach a ply batten to the edge of the wall with staples. Yeah. Or, or depending on the state of the wall, sometimes it's screwed on. And then you put a bump cloth on it, and then you put the, the fabric over that, and then you braid around the edges effectively. Ah, oh, and so who, where, whereabouts is that kind of like lounge bedroom type yeah, thing? Yeah, it's usually quite posh houses, to be honest. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's something I really enjoy doing because it, it, it takes you into different environments and so on. Yeah, and where are you based? I, I'm based in Wiltshire in Devices. Oh, right, yeah. right, yeah. This has turned into an interview about me. How did that happen? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know anything. I mean, I heard a little bit about you, but in the podcast, it is always about other people. So I thought it was quite interesting to know yeah. why you, and, and why do you do the podcasts? What's your interest in just, just different uh, scope and different? I, I actually think that upholstery is greatly ignored and underrated. Yeah. And it's just a way of trying to create more awareness, create more of a community within the upholstery world. 
I've got to be careful what I say here, but there is a lot of snobbery within the world. And I, I, I like the idea of trying to bring people together and, and, and not having those distinctions because there's there's an equal place for hobbyists and upholsterers. There's an equal place for modern upholstery and traditional upholstery. And it's just about bringing those, those elements together and making people understand that there's a skill with both, you know? Yeah. Not sure that's very well worded, but <laughs> you get the idea. Yeah, that was the um, plan. So, because I, I quite, you kind of touched on this, but you haven't really sort of the fabric side of it. I'm guessing yeah. is is a really important part of your. I'm imagining you do quite a lot of research and a, a lot of studying of fabrics. Would would that be a fair? Yeah, I spend hours online looking yeah. for the right samples to send for so I do have a lot of samples and I do I love the bright beautiful patterns and prints I would prefer to make a pro do a a re-upholstery job if someone's got an exciting fabric it just makes it it does more rewarding afterwards and quite you know if you something just in a plain fabric is just oh yeah there it is but I just think a, a really vibrant pattern is so individual so yeah I do get very excited about fabrics yeah and yeah. prints yeah, yeah. I lo- I'm very keen on velvets they need to feel nice as well yeah yeah well I, I mean the, the tactile nature of a fabric is everything and it can yeah. be missed actually but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's absolutely everything no it's, it's interesting so I'm afraid we got to the last question so your desert island your music your book and your film my chosen things I'd take yeah. with me yeah <sighs> Well, I'm not really a big reader, which my family would laugh very much at that chosen book. They'd be like, what on earth would you take a book for? <laughs> if I read, I fall asleep. I'm not a reader because if yeah. I stop and try to read, I fall asleep. So it doesn't have to be a book. book. What would I take? Could I take my staple gun with me? <laughs> <laughs> you could, but you can't read a staple gun, but you could. I can't read a staple gun. How, how about um, taking a book about upholstery? Yeah, I could take design. a book about upholstery. Or, yeah, or fabric, something housey. It would yeah. have to be something housey in design, my book. My film, oh, my goodness. A rom-com, something. <laughs> <laughs> something to make me laugh would yeah. be something like a Cameron Diaz film, something along those lines. Yeah. Don't really have a favourite. Music, did you say? Yeah. I love anything that's happy. Nothing miserable and depressing anything that's upbeat again i just i don't really have a favorite i just like yeah. anything that's happy and alive okay. okay brilliant okay well that will do <laughs> that will do <laughs> okay sharon thank you so much it's, it's been a real pleasure talking to you mm-hmm. and and to get a slightly different perspective on someone in, in learning the upholstery trade in a different way so i'm really grateful to you for joining me thank you thank you thanks robbie that's all right if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, I, I'd really hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed the podcast, it would be really good if you could share it for me. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.